I'm your host, Pat Taylor. This series will serve as the culmination and creative component of my capstone project for my senior year. In that project, I wrote about how podcasting has evolved over time, and now I'll be going through that in a podcast manner. In this three-part series, we'll have one episode of me talking about the history of podcasting, this first episode, and then two follow-up episodes with interviews with two people. In the first interview, we'll have Miss Allison McAdam, a veteran from NPR who will share a journalistic perspective. In the next interview, we'll have Marina Molnar, who has an entertainment podcast specifically about a hockey team. I hope these two give a contrasting perspective and allow us to see the whole podcasting industry. However, before we get to those two interviews, we need to talk about podcasting itself and what podcasting actually is. The earliest mentioning of podcasts can be found in a Guardian article by Ben Hammersley in the year 2004. In that article, he came up with the word podcasting as he combined the word iPod and broadcast. Together, these words make podcasts. Even back in 2004, Hammersley could see the potential for this new medium. Even commented saying, I can see that all the ingredients are there for a potential boon in amateur radio. While podcasting existed all the way back in 2004, it didn't really hit the mainstream until about a decade later after the introduction of two important things. The first thing that was so important to podcasting success was the rise of the smartphone. Markman and Barry both comment on this extensively as they remarked about how people have adapted to using smartphones. This is really key for podcasts because it reduced the friction it, it takes to find one. Now, all you need is the ability to go to your app store and download a podcast specifically from that podcasting app. In the past, like in the time of Hammersley in 2004, there was a lot of steps that went into this process of finding podcasts and it made a lot of friction. This resulted in not as many people listening to podcasts. Now, according to the Pew Research Center, 96% of American adults have a smartphone. So through this, podcasting is much more open and accessible to everyone. The next pivotal moment for podcasting was the podcast Serial. Serial was produced by Sarah Koenig and was a spinoff of This American Life. No one, not even Koenig, could have predicted the success that Serial had. It became a viral internet sensation overnight. According to Nahone and Hemsley, virality is a social information process where people simultaneously forward a specific message that reaches beyond their network and results in a sharp acceleration in the number of people who are exposed to the message. As a result of this virality, Serial gave both media producers and consumers an inside look on what podcasting could be. After this, people began to look at podcasting and consider it as a serious medium. After building on some background knowledge of podcasts, we can now explore some of the theories revolving around the medium itself. The first theory is why people are motivated to listen. According to McClung and Johnson, they found that people are motivated to listen to podcasts for four specific reasons. These reasons are entertainment, time shifting, library building, and social aspects. The first reason, entertainment, is very simple. Podcasting can be entertaining, and it's something people like to listen to. The next reason, time shifting, can be drawn back to the rise of the smartphone. With time shifting, you have the ability to listen to podcasting at any time. This is one of podcasting's biggest strengths, as it's asynchronous and allows you to listen wherever and whenever. For example, the ability to listen to a podcast in your car, doing homework, 
working out makes it a valuable resource and a valuable tool for the medium itself. The next reason, library building, talks about people's overall knowledge base. The good thing about podcasts is that there could be a podcast about almost anything. So this means there's lots of things to learn and lots of people to hear from. The final reason, being social, is also important. For example, if you look at a podcast like Serial, the download numbers reached almost all-time highs within 24 hours. This is because Serial became a part of pop culture and allowed people to talk about it at the water cooler or with their family. In this way, podcasting is like other mediums as it becomes a program for you to watch or listen to. After understanding why people are motivated to listen, another theory that helps look at podcasting is the uses and gratifications theory. In this theory, it talks about why people are gratified to use a specific medium and come back over and over again. The biggest takeaway from this section is that the development of a habit can be vital to establishing a medium's credibility. For example, the idea of listening to a podcast in your commute and therefore developing a habit is vital to podcasting. This allows people to be trained to listen to podcasts all the time and keeps them coming back for more. Now, after understanding why people listen to podcasts, we'll talk about the actual medium and what a medium is. Marshall McLuhan developed medium theory all the way back in 1968. The key phrase of this theory is that the medium is the message. What McLuhan means by this is that it is the medium that shapes and controls the scale and form of human association and action. Originally developed to talk about TV and radio, podcasting can be applied to this definition as well. McLuhan introduces two terms, hot media and cold media, to describe what different mediums function as. Hot media means being in high definition. By high definition, McLuhan means being filled with data or information and demanding the viewer's full attention. For example, something like a film would be classified as hot media because the audience has a low participation role. Instead, they have to focus on the plot line, the characters, the dialogue, and everything in between as they try and process all the information being given to them. In contrast, cold media is low in definition with high audience participation. An example of cold media would be a telephone, as there's active communication between both the sender and the listener. One way to think about this is that hot media is the linear model of communication, and cold media is the interactive model of communication. Additionally, another good way to look at it is the analogy of a lecture versus a seminar. A lecture would be hot media because lots of information is being given without your participation. In contrast, a seminar would be cold media because there's lots of direct audience participation. Finally, McLuhan also talks about radio at length. As podcasting can be viewed as online radio, this is very helpful. McLuhan notes how radio affects people intimately, person to person, offering a world of unspoken communication between the speaker and listener. This intimacy of radio can also be applied to podcasting. When McLuhan interviewed an old radio anchor who said, The mic is my pen and paper. The events of the world provide my characters, scenes, and mood. It made me think of podcasting. Because with podcasting, the world is literally your oyster. One of the greatest things of podcasting is it has the ability to be a niche. While other mediums like, like television with the Food Network and the Weather Channel really try and emphasize how niche they can get, Podcasting has them beat by a landslide. In podcasting, you can talk about whatever you want, whenever you want. For example, 
this niche extends all the way down to the smallest level, where two men have a podcast titled The Pen Addict, where they just talk about pen. Podcasting, like radio, is able to contract the world to village size and create insatiable village taste for gossip, rumor, and personal malice. This is especially important nowadays, as media and media consumers are interacting in ways like we've never seen before. This next theory of convergence culture developed by Henry Jenkins deals with the way media and media consumers are now interacting. Media is a lot different than it was 50 years ago, or 25 years ago, or even 10 years ago. With the advent of podcasting and social media and almost everything in between, we're much more digitally connected than we once were. This is why convergence culture is so important because it helps analyze that and make reason of what is currently going on. Jenkins defines convergence culture as the place where old and new media collide, where grassroots and corporate media intersect, and where power of the media producer and the power of the media consumer interact in unpredictable ways. Jenkins separates himself from McLuhan by saying, old media are not replaced. Rather, their functions and statuses are shifted by the introduction of new technologies. This convergence is acting existing media structures to operate in different ways. For example, the New York Times, a highly respected newspaper and the newspaper of record, has now developed a podcasting industry so they can broadcast to a different audience. Jenkins even remarks on this trend, saying that convergence requires media to rethink old assumptions about what it means to consume media. Jenkins describes new consumers as those who are active, migratory, and socially connected. The media consumers of today can be doing so many different things at once. For example, a person could be listening to music while watching TV and also playing on social media like Twitter or Instagram on their phone. All of these things happen at the same time and show how convergence is really happening in our society. This shows that while the world is growing bigger, it's also becoming more interconnected than ever. Finally, the last big theory is the theory of media substitution. This is a competing theory which states that people have the ability to evaluate, rank, and select the medium that gratifies their needs the most. Through this, the media substitution theory argues that people can replace old mediums with new ones. For example, according to Kay and Johnson, when a new technology is viewed as more desirable than an old medium, people will reduce the time spent with the traditional media that is functionally similar. In terms of podcasting, one way you could think about this is radio versus podcasting. Podcasting is definitely the newer form, and sometimes people favor that because they can do it asynchronously. One of the biggest factors in media substitution has been the rise of the mobile phone and personal computer. One way to look at this is through age cohorts. According to Westland and Farden, older cohorts are mostly dependent on newspapers, middle-aged cohorts on computer-oriented media, and younger cohorts primarily focus on mobile media as well as cross-media. This can help explain why podcasting has exploded as younger generations are turning more and more to their mobile phones and therefore podcasting. According to a study conducted by Emily Vogels and the Pew Research Center, 93% of millennials, those aged 23 to 38 this year, own a smartphone, while only 90% of Gen Xers, those 39 to 54, and 68% of baby boomers, aged 55 to 73, own a smartphone. These statistics prove that there is media substitution occurring as more and more younger people are turning to smartphones for their news. While older generations are still definitely using smartphones, they're using them at slightly less rates. Nonetheless, in total, Kim and Viswanen argue 
that mobile media has displaced incumbent media when it comes to total consumption, given that there is a limited resource, i.e. time. This is good for podcasting in many ways, as younger generations will ensure that podcasting has a place in the future. Additionally, as more and more older generations turn to the smartphone, there's plenty more new consumers out there. With the ability to be niche in podcasting and have something for everything, this bodes well for the future of podcasting. Now that we've analyzed some of the theories that make podcasting what it is, let's talk about what's going on in podcasting right now. One of the big trends in podcasting is the switch to audio journalism by places like the New York Times and NPR. As radio seems to be dying out, podcasting is reviving this form of audio journalism. Richard Dunham argues that through innovative storytelling in our increasingly digital culture, Audio journalism stimulates imagination and gives you the ability to see things with your ears. Audio journalism has many advantages that other mediums do not. For example, it can create a real sense of intimacy with the listener and the storyteller. It creates atmospheres like this by using ambient sound. This ambient sound can put the listener anywhere from downtown Chicago to a war zone in Iraq to the African safari. As podcasting and audio journalism has grown, networks have noticed. News and entertainment organizations believe they have a real chance to make money with podcasts as they attract large numbers of listeners who stay for large amounts of time. The profitability of podcasting is also steadily increasing. According to the Interactive Advertising Bureau's 2018 report on podcasting, marketers spent $479 million to advertise on podcasts in the United States alone. This is an uptick of 53% from $314 million in 2017. Additionally, that same report projected that the revenue will top over a billion dollars in the year 2021. However, as Spinelli notes, advertisers are not investment funders. They'll only be drawn to projects that either have an audience or that they believe will get one through the involvement of a celebrity or recognized media franchise. Due to this, networks are mobilizing and trying to conglomerate as many shows as they can under one roof to make the most advertising money. There's a few benefits of a network Namely, that a network offers a podcast stability while also being able to pool resources and knowledge, share technical talent and content, and spread the cost across an entire network. One good example of this is Serial. Serial benefited from being part of This American Life. This American Life gave it initial credibility. This allowed Serial to get a running start on its road to virality. Additionally, this credibility factor and the advertising money at stake is why you see so many celebrities trying to start podcasts now. It seems as everyone has a podcast these days, and there's continued growth in the industry. However, for independent podcasters, the future is not as bright. Spinelli remarks on this trend of podcasts growing by saying, the long-tail economics of the web dictate that there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts that have not gone viral, that have been abandoned, or that are only being made for an audience of friends and family. While it seems easy to make a podcast and be successful, the unfortunate reality of podcasting is that there is a winner-takes-all economy with only a very few number of shows being considered economically viable. Due to this, while podcasting is for sure growing, podcasting may go the way of other mediums where networks control everything. And with that, we finish up the contents of my paper. In the next two episodes, I'm really excited, like I said earlier, to have two great interviews with Ms. Allison McAdam and Ms. Marina Molnar. In these interviews, we'll be going over a lot of what I've already discussed, and I'll be asking their points of view on what these theories in the industry of podcasting has in the future. See you guys next time.